Well, good morning. I know it's been a very long time, but, uh, well, on that note, um, I've been working on a much longer piece today. Um, came across something that just, I thought was interesting. Long story short, I was in a chat room, supposedly talking about philosophy and, you know, self-awareness. And somebody used Svasta. And I misheard because they pronounced health as hell. They dropped the TH. I misheard it as hell. And I thought, geez, yeah, okay. Maybe his guru taught him that, you know, being attached to the self is hell. He used it three or four times rather than clarifying. And then even after I apologized for having heard his pronunciation of health as hell, he still proceeded to want to give me a lecture on how to pronounce properly Sanskrit, and in particular this word, svasta. That includes the same TH sound that was missing. Now what I did is I just talked about an individual because we had just been talking about Sukhavati and how uh, you could see uh, the pure land heaven as being inside of you. If you're free of your selfish uh, suffering, then that itself is a heaven. So the opposite could be true. If you attach overly to the self, that same existence will be suffering and in a sense a hell. But no. So I just thought I would share some insight that I put together. Right? As I said below was the insight to the nature of self in the word. Also a link to mantra that may be familiar to many. Another link I wish to share, the culture that was misheard as a discussion about meaning and not message. The reason I mentioned independent, the self, for swatha. And the term used today in Mele, used uh, to denote private, same term from Sanskrit as giving an insight into the meaning and the message. But so let's just move on. So there are many words for healthy in Sanskrit. So probably the most common is svasta. It's the adjective, adjectival form of svasta. And literally means state of being healthy, svasta. In Hindi, the word Svastya can be used as it is or as its derivative, svastya or svasta. Other words can be derived from svastva, right? They all have a similar meaning of healthy. A person who's unhealthy is called a svasta, right? We've talked about this a as a negation, like ahimsa, no harm, uh, anatta, no self. The Sanskrit word for health is svastya, and healthy is svas. It means coming to one's own self, realizing one's own self. In fact, interestingly, sva means self. It means own, one's own, my own, thy own, his own, her own, our own, their own. Svastya means being rooted in the self, getting rooted into self. So this 
Svastya, self-rooting. We'll get to this idea that it is a path, a course, a, you know, you turn oneself to. In fact, this same word has uh, a similar root or a shared root with medicine and meditation. The Sanskrit word for healthy is svata, svatha, self-positioned, one who is centered in the self, the natural state. That is, everyone who survived the first few years of life is destined to be healthy. And it just goes on talking about health, like I said, with medicine, right? And what I found is it leads us to a discussion of something very important. What is commonly considered the swastika, that's the right-facing or clockwise version, but is much more commonly uh, seen the left-facing or counterclockwise version, the swastika. It's an ancient religious symbol, icon, of many cultures, not the least of which the Indian, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism. It's seen in Greece and Turkey, even recently dug up in Turkey showing it many, many, many dozens, uh, if not more, um, millennia old. And I find it interesting. So let's break down swastika. Swa, self, tika. Tika, in this case, the character that's being used, would be a pearl or a diamond. Right? So we're talking about the perfect self. And that's what it denotes. Uh, on the Buddha, the backwards, soastika, denotes uh, the footsteps of Buddha. What that means is the path, the path of righteousness, the path of being a good person. So if you look at some of the other versions of tika, which it's not the character used, but again, it's just a different form, you will get the circular mark, yes, uh, to incur a stigma or stain. Right, So it's both positive and negative insight. But what's important is you could consider a commentary or a comment or an annotation or a note, an interpretation. Right, So it even goes so far as you know swelling or amplifying or embellishing of a single matter, remarking, commenting upon. Right, So spa, swatika. So the idea is the path that one treads should be the ultimate. And you're commenting on that path. Right? And, and what should that path be made up? Well, it's broken down to su. This is the root, su, su, which means good or well. Interestingly, the opposite is du, as in dukkha denoting dissatisfaction or or um, suffering. I like to translate it as bad air, kasu, meaning good or well or air in the idea of surrounding oneself. And asti, right? Swasti, swasti. A verbal abstract to the root verb, to be, well-being, right? So the ultimate path for one to tread, to how to be an ultimate agent, independent, but healthy and growing, right? The, sw the word swastika 
uh, has all of these meanings behind it, but gets lost when we are unwilling or, uh, well, what I mean by that is giving tours, I would get asked, particularly by our German tourists, the young folks who had never run into this because it's a verboten symbol. The parents were very appreciative that I explained this as a historical symbol of humanity that was co-opted by one individual. In fact, I quote from one of the links I will share in the show notes. Initially, Aryan was a term used to delineate the Indo-European language group, not a racial classification. Scholars in the burgeoning field of linguistics had noticed similarities among the German, Romance, and Sanskrit languages. The rising interest in eugenics and racial hygiene, however, led to some uh, to corrupt led some to corrupt Aryan into a descriptor for a scriptor for an ancient master racial identity with a clear through line to contemporary Germany. For the nationalist, the purely Aryan symbol, Schliemann, who's the person who brought the swastika to Germany, uncovered uh, it was no longer an archaeological mystery. It was a stand-in for their superiority. German nationalist groups like the uh, Reichsschimmerbund, pardon me, I'm terrible at pronouncing the German, it was a 1912 anti-Semitic group, and a Bavarian Free Corps. They were paramilitists who tried to overthrow the Weimar, uh, the Weimar Republic in Germany. They used the swastika to reflect their newly discovered identity as the master race. It didn't matter that it traditionally meant good fortune or that it had been found everywhere from monuments to Greek goddess, Greek goddess Artemis to representations of Brahma and Buddha and at Native American sites, or that no one was truly certain of its origins. Right? You can read that. That's actually an article from the Smithsonian magazine. And so I move on to Swabhava. Swabhava, again, a breakdown of bhava and swa, so one or own or oneself and bhava existence or realm or state. It literally means own being or own becoming. That's swabhava. It's the intrinsic nature, essential nature or essence of being. So as I've said before, it's not just the individuals, it's the, uh, the, 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 the stones and the space in between. The concept term of Swabhava frequently encountered in Hindu and Buddhist traditions, such as Advaita Vedanta, Mahayana Buddhism, Vaishnavism, and Dzogchen. It's also present uh, in Brahmin, Upashanic uh, traditions. And so bhava simply is being, worldly existence, becoming, birth, be, production, origin, but also habitual or emotional tendencies. So in Buddhism, bhava is the 10th of the 12 links of pratityasamutpada. That's dependent origination. The link between defilements and repeated birth, that's reincarnation. In Thai, bhava is also interpreted as habitual or emotional tendencies which lead to the arising of the sense of self as a mental phenomenon. So here we see that the meaning is both how best to comport oneself, swabhava, but also how one can surround oneself with essentially idolatry of the self, 
Swabhava, right? Ah, Swabhava. So Swaha is where we get into yet another. This is the ending of the Heart Sutra, right? We got, what is it? Gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, bodhi, swaha. It's pronounced swaha, but it's swaha. It's again, it, interestingly, uh, the definition of swaha, sometimes pronounced swaha, it's an exclamation uttered at the time of making an offering to the gods, used as a noun, right? So just an offering or a declaration. Um, I equate it to the Greeks like the Eureka. What's interesting is swa, ha, breaks down to own and ha being the uh, the consort of Agni, the, um, the fire god. So it's a personification of the proceedings. And it says, as the wife of fire, and goddess proceeding over burnt offerings. Oh, I apologize. Ha is also the name of the wife of, right? So it's an oblation made to the gods indiscriminately. So it doesn't really specifically pertain, but it is interesting that once again, we see this root of a sun or a fire god at being the, the center, right? Burning away. We see this with Dizang uh, or um, Kshirigarbha. She carries with her a burning pearl to burn away your ignorance, right? So, swaha, agni, right? It's a Sanskrit word meaning fire, but it denotes, connotes the fire god in Hinduism. But it's, as I said, commonly translated as hoha in Chinese, sapoha, in Japanese, sawaka, and as I said, in Tibetan, soha. Right? It tends to be a denouement at the end of a mantra, as if, uh, like we would use in the West, an amen. Amen. It's invoked in fire sacrifices. We'll see uh, tantric. Uh, we'll see Indian and even the Goma festival in Japan. It's gone that far. Right? It's roots, once again, for su and good and ha to call. So be it is the common translation. But as I said, it's important to really understand swaha, swaha. So I offer myself as the personification of the goddess, the consort of Agni. Again, this is the idea of Shakti, this feminine energy, this personification of the good and the bad. It's kind of a backwards from the yin and the yang, the ultimate Right. And it goes on here and there's a little little bit on Agni. I'm going to skip that. And I'm going to jump right to the bonus. Right, Dhyana. Seems like a bit of a jump. But Dhyana is yet another connected. Right? Samadhi, Shamatha, Vipassana, and Dhyana. In Hinduism, in Buddhism, in yoga. Right? It's in one of the oldest texts, jhana in Sanskrit, jhana in Pali. It is training of the mind, commonly translated as meditation, to withdraw the mind from the automatic responses to sense impressions. We call that vedana. These are um, uh, formations, volitions, right? It's like, I like this color, I don't like that color. And they lead 
to a state of perfection if you can manage those automatic responses and withdraw the mind from reactivity. You can achieve a state of equanimity and awareness. It's actually in Sanskrit, upekka sati parisuddhi. It's beautiful again. Upekka simply means equanimity. Sati is to remember or be present, to reside in mindfulness. That's the common word translated as mindfulness. And parisuddhi is a compound word that just means uh, the ultimate um, being, uh, in this case also uh, cleansing of your consciousness as well. So it's a, it's both an ultimate being like sattva, but in this case, it's also um, transcends the physical in the sense that parisuddhi is, you're the ultimate you could ever be, right? It's very similar in, to the city, but we won't go down that road. Dhyana may have a core, uh, may have been the core practice of pre-sectarian Buddhism in combination with several related practices, which together led to this perfected mindfulness and detachment that we commonly see. And this is a quote. Right? And later, uh, the Vipassana movement, Chan and Zen, uh, it's uh, brought us forward to the common ear. So that's it. There's my notes. Uh, so the final bonus was dhyana, which importantly is uh, very uncommonly translated as simply to train the mind, right? Uh, a way of uh, stilling the mind, right? In fact, we can even do that since we have a few minutes left. It's really not that hard to do. You copy and paste to do a search, and you can get uh, the definition. Okay, so its root is to look, to see, to show, from again, from the, the root of D. And it goes back to really early, the Vedas, and that's where I would probably slow down because... Um, if they're going to try to attribute it to really old, a lot of that's lost. So it's just imagine a vision or powers of knowledge, wisdom, or poetic eloquence. And then later uh, came to mean to contemplate, to meditate, to think. But as I said, it's just um, managing the self. Find it... Uh, we went down this rabbit hole because I was actually asked uh, by somebody uh, who was uh, on psychedelics and they wanted uh, some guidance as far as what sort of meditation they could use when they were, um, you know, using an entheogen. Again, not for fun. They were actually using it um, for self-development, self-betterment. Uh, which is the goal of all of what we've been talking about, mukti and moksha. That just means awareness, but it means, again, parasuddhi, that idea of being the best you possibly can. Right? So I guess, uh, oh, actually, what, let's just take a look at parasuddhi while we're at it, right? Let's see how they would translate parasuddhi. Parasuddhi, yeah, see, it usually goes as the compound, the upeka sati parasuddhi. But parasuddhi on his own, and again, it is important that you understand when it's a when it's a compound 
where it has a very specific meaning. So I'm just giving you an insight into the word on its own. So parisuddhi, in its simplest Pali to English translation is purity. So you get what I was getting at, this idea of the best you can be. In Sanskrit, uh, we get multiple translations, obviously, uh, but we'll get complete purification, uh, justification or acquittal. Uh, you get that idea that um, you're liberating oneself. That's why we say liberate, right? So, um, you know, you suffer at your own hands, right? So it's justification. It's just to be uh, righteous and selfless and acquittal. Well, you're let off of your sentence. Uh, and then the third definition is righteous or correctness. Again, to be righteous, to have this agency, to know that you're empowered, uh, to create your own destiny, to better your own future, and to manage your own outcomes. You can't get much more righteous or correct uh, than that. And and that's where I'll leave it, because that's how I usually translate uh, the Noble Eightfold Path as simply uh, the correct way to proceed. And uh, when it comes to uh, swastika, uh, it's also simply uh, a symbol uh, to represent the best, the best path forward for us all. So on that, namaskar, namaskaram, have a great day. Uh, salut, à la prochaine.